0: today huh amen good stuff remember god he the big dad <laughs> that is good stuff you may be seated we've been talking about uh family for those of you who haven't been around and you haven't you haven't heard all of these things that we're going to share about today we're going to end our series on family matters We've started in the beginning talking about relationships that we have with maybe our spouse or or our brothers or our sisters or our parents or whatever that might be. And and, and the premises that we started with as we go in today, one of them was that that we're not talking about necessarily or specifically those relationships where there's abuse involved. that that, that those open up a whole other door to circumstances and to situations and to actions that need to happen and take place. And we're we're operating on the premise that, yes, we know what our brother needs to do. We know what our sister needs to do. If our kids would just listen to us or if our uncle would just just sit down with me, I could fix him in five minutes. We started with that premise and said we know all that. But we said you can only deal with you. That we're going to ask God to, to change and to fix us, and not just to change and to fix them. So with those two things in mind, we moved through those relationships, we talked for a few weeks about parenting, and we went through all the different things and situations and stuff that we could talk about without getting specifically into individual details, and today we're going to talk about a situation that probably affects just about every one of us somehow, some way. This message is is not about divorce. This message is about how do we live our life with the tension that divorce creates in our world as we deal with reality becoming ideal. We go back a little bit before this series, and we were talking about when, what you see with your eyes, what goes on on a day-to-day basis in your life is the reality that we face, but we're believing God that he brings us from that reality to this ideal place of his word becoming real and true and his promises being fulfilled in our life at whatever level we're on. We said in that journey, there's tension that we have to deal with. What we're believing, God, is that we can deal with that tension and live our life Well. Do you remember? I asked those questions. Are you are you happy? Are you content? And are you okay? Divorce affects most of us. I mean, think about it. I'm not talking about you and your ex wife or you and your ex husband. I'm talking about your brother who got a divorce, and his sister in your ex in your used to be your sister in law, is now your ex sister in law. And she used to come to Thanksgiving and break bread with you and she was a part of who you were. She was a part of your family but no longer that's the case. That, you're dealing with that. It says all my exes live in Texas but if you know the George Strait song it says that's why I reside in Tennessee. <laughs> it would make it easier if they all did live in Texas but you know the same thing I do. They live in your backyard. They're all right here for the most part with us. And so the key is to handle those relationships well. And again, we go back to that premise that says, you can only deal with you. But it's their fault you can only deal with you. These situations are as chaotic and, and as confused a- as they get. Because it may be the case that you like your ex-sister-in-law more than your brother now. And she does come to Thanksgiving, but he don't. That happens. I, in my life, I even have an ex-stepmother. Where do you put her on the family tree? Used to be back <laughs> I don't. But I still love her. But one day she was in my life, no lie. Honest to goodness, one day she was, the next day she wasn't, and we didn't hear from her for 17 years, 16 years, vaporized. Now, some of you would be saying, oh, Lord, let that happen to my ex-husband. <laughs> let that happen to my... <laughs> we'll get to that in, in a minute. But see, on the other end of that is somebody who says, ah, but I love you. I know you don't, you're not with that guy anymore, and I, that was my dad, but I, I had a relationship. You want to know how odd I had a relationship with you, and now I don't have that anymore. I, I, there were uncles that I don't have anymore. There were brother-in-laws that I don't have anymore. Poof, they're, just not, they're, not, they're not that anymore. What do you do with that? How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? How do you go down this path? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just verse 7. You don't have to turn there. She'll put this one on the screen. We can talk about it later. A, but I want to read this. This is Paul sharing. And in the first six verses, he's talking about the revelations and the truths that he's learned in the Word as he's grown and as he's matured. But he says this. At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. And lest I should, not l- at least, and lest I should. Be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me to buffet me. It was a messenger of Satan lest I be exalted above measure. Now, don't stop and start thinking that that your ex-whatever is that thorn in the flesh. Please, don't go home and say, you know what? I know what you are now. Pastor John said, you're my thorn in the flesh. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, in this instance, Paul was talking about something that came against him in his life, and it was there until the end. He fought, and he fought, and he fought the good fight of faith, believing that God would make him or create in him who he was to become, and do in and through him all he was created to do. And he believed that, but it was not without a fight. It was not without this thing buffeting his flesh. It was not a sickness. It was the enemy coming against him to stop the plan and the purpose that God had for him. Now, the reason I use this scripture is I prayed and asked God because I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't want to talk about my experience. I said, God, and, and he gave me this scripture and it was just like, oh my gosh. That's like dealing with the effects of divorce. It doesn't go away. Sometimes it does. Sometimes things end amicably and everybody goes their separate ways and that, you know. But but I'm telling you, most of the time, you know in your life, did it just disappear or do you deal with it over and over and over again? Every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every birthday, every summer the kids go away to this place. Every other weekend when the kids and the dad and the mom, they have them. And every, when they have to go to the other step-grandma's house and this X. And we got exes of steps and steps of exes and half-brothers and full-brothers and side-brothers and backwards-brothers and upside-down-brothers and all. It doesn't go away. Why? Mark chapter 10. In verse 9, it says, and this was Jesus somewhat explaining to the, to, the, to the people who were saying, well, why is it that we can have, Moses permitted us to have a divorce, so is it right to divorce? And he said, listen, folks, that was never my plan. Now, I am not harping on, cutting off toes, not coming after divorce or divorcees. That's not the message. The message is, how do I deal with the effects of divorce in my life as I move toward ideal." But we have to recognize and realize that the effects of that in our life, those people don't disappear. They are still there. It says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Two people in marriage become one flesh. Through the sexual relationship and 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 all of the things that happen in that, the Spirit of God makes them one flesh. That's why younger people have, you've got to get down to soul ties and breaking those things when there's sex outside of marriage and all of that because there's, it's more than just saying I do. It's, it's the consummation of that marriage that, that you know what I mean, I mean that, that, that creates, you're opening yourself up to, to him and he's opening himself up to you and you are, you are becoming one flesh. And what God puts together, it, you, you, can't, you can't separate it. Now, I am more of a traditionalist. I prefer the unity candle. Two people come, they light the candle, they blow out the mom's candles, they set them down. Two lights that were given by God through the mothers were come together to make one flesh. That's the unity candle, right? I like that. But how easy is it to go, and blow the candle out? It didn't exist. I'm not a fan of unity sand, if you've been here, and it's all good. I mean, knock yourself out. I, I do whatever you do. That's a new thing. I, I'm I'm cool with it. But but I I'm, I I just I'm a little traditionalist. If you wanna, if you're gonna do that, Micah, in your wedding in May, that's fine. It's not a problem. It's, I'm great. I'm with it. But. I actually, now get this, I actually like it in the fact that that it does this. It helps me talk to these two people and say, here's the deal. If you wake up in six years and you don't think she's the one and you don't love him like you did today when he just makes your world just so dreamy and your butterfly lashes go like this, then you sit down and you separate all this sand. Well, that's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Don't go there. God has an answer. Now, the problem is we go there, and so has the world, with divorce rates skyrocketing through the 70s. My age group, that 45-ish, 40, 45, we're the children of that age group. We're the generation of that age group, and they were all divorced, over and over again, some of them, and we dealt with that. So in our world, we got a lot of baggage with that, this group and this generation, You know, I'm not going to do that, not going to be that way, blah, 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 blah. There's plenty of wrongs in my generation too, so I'm not just just throwing stones around. Divorce rates have actually gone down, but that doesn't mean that people are getting their act together. It just means people aren't getting married. That's not right either because God wants to do this. He wants to take two and make one. That's what he does. For this reason and this purpose, it says that a father should leave his mother and that a woman should be joined to her husband. But that's why we have to deal with this over and over and over again. I know we just want to wave a wand and make everybody, poof, disappear. I know we, in some instances, want to just, look, all we need to do is just get along. You can't affect somebody else's will. You can't change it. But what you can do is open yourself up a little bit to a new perspective. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to present this, and, and I know you're already like, well, that's a love chapter, I ain't going there. I, just, hang, just hang with me. Hear what this says, and, and because this message and this word, I'm telling you, will be freeing for you. I think our perspective is messed up when it comes to exes. Our perspective is messed up when our ex-husband or our ex-father-in-law or our Our ex-sister-in-law is saying all those bad things about me behind my back. And she's turned my family against me. And, you know, now I'm the outcast, but I wasn't wrong. And, you know, all those things happen. It says here that though I speak with tongues of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have the faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have nothing or have not love, it profits me nothing. What, what Paul is saying here when he's writing is, listen, you could be considered the most spiritual, giving person on the face of the earth, but if you don't walk in love, it's all useless. That's what he's saying. You may have the gift of gab, but if you don't respond and talk in love, it just sounds like clanging cymbals and all those things. And you're saying, yep, yep, that's my ex-wife. That's what she sounds like. Yep, my ex-mother-in-law, she's clanging brass and cymbals. Ah, That's all I hear. You can't fix that. I'm not telling you to tell her to change her perspective. I'm telling you to change your perspective. Yeah, 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 but she needs to, yeah, 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 but we all need to. Don't go to Juanita. Go to Unita. <laughs> anyway. Don't go to Shanita's house. She need to change her mind. She need to change it. Anyway. <laughs> you, <Nita. laughs> Slowly sinking in. I love it. It says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it does not d- demand its own way, it's not irritable, it keeps no record of being wronged, it does not rejoice about injustice. Does not, in- it does not rejoice about injustice? Isn't that good when your ex-brother-in-law's car finally breaks down and he gets stranded on the side of the road? When you drive by there, don't you secretly go, <laughs> Careful or when he gets in another relationship with some other girl and it breaks up you go that guy don't rejoice about injustice it goes on and it sa- it actually says rejoices whenever the truth wins out that's key whenever the truth wins out love never keep never love never gives up love never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance And I know we say, I I have no idea how that's possible. It it is possible. You can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll talk about this scripture here and and the the reasons why it is possible. But no matter what they have done, no matter what they have said, no matter how they have acted, it's it's Paul talking to us to love them. Now let 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 me show you how this changes our perspective. Because we don't want to love them. And it is almost an affront to us many times, especially like in the marriage relationship, for me to say, yeah, my ex-husband, I'm not going to love him like I loved him once. Doesn't ask you to. You're not in covenant with him anymore. But that doesn't take away the responsibility we have to love him as a human being. You won't love that ex-whatever as your sister, as your husband as your mother-in-law. You may not love them that way because you're not in that familial relationship with them anymore. But divorce does not give us an out to acting Christ-like. So just because there's been divorce, that doesn't mean that I don't have to love you. It means I need to change the way I loved you. I don't love you as my wife. I don't love you as my husband anymore, you're my ex-wife or my ex-husband, but I believe the best for you and I love you as Christ loves you. That does not mean that you have to go over there and change them and fix them. This actually frees you from that responsibility of having to to fix them and to change them. All I got to do is love them like Christ loves them, not love them like I used to. And I think we have that thought sometimes, that I can't love my ex-sister-in-law like I did before. It's it just, man, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Nobody's asking you to. God isn't asking us to love her like she was my sister and the way we walked in, in fellowship together in that family relationship. That doesn't exist anymore, but it doesn't take you outside of the all-encompassing love that God has for them. Does that make sense? Everybody needs love. I don't know if I can do that, Pastor John. Yes, 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 we can. We don't want to. We don't like it, but we gotta. Think about it this way. If I was sharing this message today, And I'm not saying your exes are all lost or anything else, but if I was sharing this message just about the lost people in the world and how the church of God needs to come alongside and encourage and love the people who were lost in the world, we'd be all smiling saying, amen, brother, and your exes. Whoop, I'm checking out, going to another church now. Why? Because I'm hurt. I don't want to. You don't know what they did to us as a family. You don't know how they... I know I don't. But I can't find a scripture that says, now we're talking about outside of abuse and those things. I don't find a scripture in there that says that, you know, just because they ain't part of the family no more, I'm relieved of my responsibility to act Christ like. Man, they get up in my face, they give me stuff, they yell at me. What do you expect me to do? Love them. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Well, good luck with your life. It's going to be a rough road. And let me tell you this. It's in your best interest that they get their poop in a group. Because most of y'all got kids with them. And they're with those other people. So in your life, it's to your best interest that your ex mother in law gets her stuff together, that your ex husband gets his act together, that, that, that y- your ex sister in law finally comes to the realization. Well, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I, God didn't say you got to figure out a way. God didn't even say you have to see a way. God just says you got to see it happen, and you got to believe it. And I'm not saying we pray and we love people out of selfish motives, but come on. Your kids are with them half the time. Wouldn't it befall you to say, you know what, it would be good if they were going down the road? I'm not asking them to come to this church, although Lord knows we've had that. Okay, what service are you coming to? I want to come to first. Well, I always come to first. Okay, look, we're going to flip a coin this week, and then we're going to alternate every other week. You come first service, he comes second service, and then next week we flip-flop. Are you kidding me? But that has happened in this place. Why? Because y'all's lives got changed here or something. Y'all met here. You got married here. This is your church. It's my church. No, it's my church. No, it's all y'all's church. (laughs) I'm not saying they're going to come here. Oh, Lord. All y'all's exes all coming in. But let me tell you what. I'm telling you this. Our family. Sorry, Grandma. Not you. Our family puts the D in dysfunction. In the people that we have in our family. That you, some of you know and have been through here, there's like nine or ten divorces, and th- there have been services where Pastor Bill's ex-wife and new husband, and my father, who was my, of course, mother's ex-husband, sitting over here, all here to bless God for a baby dedication or whatever it might be, and Pastor Bill gets to talk and preach about love and forgiveness. But thank God he did. Hey, I'm telling you, yes, it's awkward. It isn't a whole lot different than raising your kids. It, there are awkward moments. Suck it up, especially when your children are involved. Suck it up. My mother never let me know how bad my father ever was. I'm not saying he was a horrible guy. But she never put him in a bad light in my, eyes, in my life. Never. I forced her to do it as a young man at 22 or three. She, she would not do that, no matter, no matter how much he didn't do, no, how, no matter how much he, he wasn't around. He loves us and he cares about us, but that wasn't his thing. She never put him in a bad light for the bad things that he did. Never. She allowed, get this, Now I'm just talking to parents. You know, you got kids that are in this. She allowed him to take credit when it was her. Oh, Selfless. She allowed him to get the credit when it was her, and she took the blame sometimes when it was him. <laughs> I deserve it. Yep. But the Bible says, sacrifice. Now, I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not telling you how to do it in your house. I'm not telling you how to do it with your ex wife or ex husband. I'm just, just saying what, what, what she, that allowed us as we got older, to, to make up our mind and have whatever relationship we wanted to have, but it didn't bring all that baggage into my life. She's the one who made that decision, not me. And so she, she put on her big girl pants, grabbed her, and she just, she took the baggage for us. Wasn't pleasant, wasn't a thrill. Because I asked her, you know, I we we. I never really saw any of that. She said, oh, I, I couldn't let you see any of that. It was my bad, not yours. It was a sacrifice, and I sure as heck, she said, wasn't always thrilled about it. She didn't have a lot of people on her side. She had everything on her side. Sometimes when you're justified, you need to let go. It's freeing. So I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can. There's three things here. comes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that the love of Christ compels us. Compels you. There's something on the inside, I mean, it compels you. I'm not saying to go get them saved and change their life. I'm not saying to fix them. I'm not saying to bring them back in your house. I'm not saying to to spark up a new relationship with them as a friend now and not or whatever. Hey, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying the love of God compels us on the inside, if you read this scripture, to no longer live for ourselves. You you are not in this life for you. You are not parenting for you. You, you You are not a husband for you. You are not a wife for you. You're in this earth to live the life that Christ has given you to live to the best of your ability to follow him. And the responsibility in that is that you share the love of Christ with the people who are around you. It says that the love of God compels us that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. Therefore, verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Change your perspective. Actually, in the New Living Testament, that scripture says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. God is not a keeper of wrongs. We are. Stop evaluating from that point of view. I am not saying they're right. I'm not saying walk right back into the shovel of abuse. I'm saying change your perspective about who they are. Begin to see them as Christ sees them. Begin to love them as Christ loves them. The three things I got from this were don't be selfish. You should no longer live for yourselves change your perspective, stop evaluating others from a human point of view. And the third part of the scripture is verse 17 that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have been made new. Well, they haven't changed. This scripture is not talking to them. It's talking to you. Remember when we talked in Ephesians in the beginning of this message, one of the one things that husbands say about their wives, they come in and say, she's not submitting and I say, where do, you get, where, where do you even understand or know that? It says in the Word, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Yeah, 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 that's talking to wives, not you. Yeah, read all the Bible, but read it with the right perspective of who it's written to. That says, wives, what's it say about you, sir? Well, uh, but she's not, uh, 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 uh. what's it say about you? See, we want our folks that are in the X world, we want them to get their life together and then maybe I'll give them a shot. This scripture doesn't say you're praying these things for them. This scripture says that you're trying to live these things for you. You do it. You're an, they're not a new creature, but you are. Old things have been passed away. Stop living that way, you're free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Stop living under the curse of what happened to you through that whatever situation happened. There's absolutely no way you can be separated from his love. People can separate from you. You can separate from people. But you cannot be separated from his love. That love is all-encompassing, and it's all over you. Romans 8 says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Paul said in verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities or powers, nor things present, nor even things to come, not anything that was created shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That scripture is true for you, and it's true for whoever these X's are in your life. Whether those two paths cross, I, man, that's I, I don't, I'm sure they do. But remember, just because they're exes does not alleviate us from the responsibility of living Christ like. The love of God is on the inside of you. And if you go back where we started in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said, I, I have this thing that's coming against me we know because we're after the fact through the story that thing came against him his whole life and fought him all the way till the end you may have been able to say in the beginning of this service yeah I get that it's kind of like this this ex situation my husband, husband, ex-husband, ex-wife whatever that is ex-sister-in-law, ex-mother-in-law they're constantly in my life I I constantly see them they're constantly around It's, it's a fight for me Every day to get past it. Yep, yep, yep. We see that. But what we have to see is past that. See, we can't identify with just the problems that Paul was having without identifying with the solution. And it says in James 1 that we're supposed to ask God for wisdom, and He gives us wisdom. And in this scripture, the next verse says that's verse 7, verse 8 says, Concerning this thing, Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. How many times have you prayed, God, just take him away. Get him out of my life. Now get this. This is important. The way God answers prayer, we want him to do what we said. And many times he tells us how to handle what we're facing. Does that make sense? See, Paul, it says, in, and then we, then we get mad at God, and we say, but James, James 1 says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give to him liberally. Paul said to God, I asked three times that this be taken away from me, and we expect God to be a man of his word, then and take it away from him. But God answered his prayer. It was just differently than Paul wanted. Paul wanted to be separated from this thing, but what God did instead was he answered his prayer with the wisdom that said, this is how you handle walking in it. Why? God's God. But as you go on, he said, you know what? I asked three times. Don't expect God just to move because you asked. Receive what he's speaking to you. He may not take that thing out of your life. He may help you understand how to live with that thing, how to overcome that thing. Because he's speaking to you, I am in the inside of you, and I am greater than the thing that you face, Paul. So Paul said, I asked that it might be departed from me three times. And God said to me, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will gladly boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in the fact that I can't do it. I take pleasure in the fact that I can't make it. I take pleasure in the fact that I don't have the words. I take pleasure in the fact that they make fun of me, that they come against me, and that they have turned in me. Why? Because in that place where, where I know that I don't have the answer and they are coming against me in my life, that is where I have an ability to allow God's grace to absolutely make the difference. He is the one who defends you. He is the one who stands for you. He is the one who gives you strength. His grace in the Greek means it is his empowered life force working and living in and through you. And it's exactly where we started this message seven weeks ago. And we said in the end of that, you must remain humble and you must allow God's grace to work in your life because you can't do it the way the Bible says but you can in Him. And let me say this. As we stand up, let's stand. I'm going to pray for you. Let me say this as we leave. This is important. If we don't do this, if we don't allow God's grace to make the difference, if we don't open ourselves up and say, okay, Father, your grace is sufficient for me. It's to give me strength in my weakness. If we don't do that, we begin to steal the glory from God. And he said, Well, I would never do that. Well, I'm not saying that you like take the glory for yourself, but what I'm saying is it's just like lying by omission. You're not allowing God to get the glory in the situation that makes sense it's it's a stretch that's a big one see because what we're what we're doing is when we step out into his grace and we allow him to make the difference in this relationship or in this situation or whatever it might be and 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 their lives change and it doesn't intersect with yours but but whatever that is you're believing for whatever that thing is that you're speaking it changes and their life changes who gets all the glory and the honor and the praise God does so if if we refuse to do that, and I'm not saying their life does or doesn't change, but if we refuse to do that, can we not say that somehow we're holding back God's opportunity to receive that glory, honor, and praise? I don't want to be in that place today. This is what I want you to do. I don't know the situation that you face, and I don't know who your exes are, and I don't know how involved you're. Pro- I, I just know they're all very complicated. And you have your own thoughts on these people and hopefully the words that we shared today maybe have changed some of your perspectives. But this is what I want you to do. If you're in that situation and you've been going through this with people and you've been, you've been somehow, some way holding something back, I'm not saying you go out, you love them and smooch them and take them to dinner. I'm just saying somewhere you've been holding something back. Maybe it's holding something against them. Maybe it's, maybe it's just holding back of who you are. Maybe you realize today that, you know what, I, I know I'm supposed to love them, but it hurt me so bad I'm holding it back. I'm not going to let them go. Clench your fists. If that's you, you say, man, that's me. I've been, I've been doing this. And I know you might think that's weird. Then close your, everybody close their eyes so nobody sees you clench your fists. I, I, you know. But this is what we have to do in our life. And this clenching our fists, it's, it's just symbolic of what we're doing in our heart spiritually today. And this is why this is important. So finished, your fists are clenched. Can you now, with your fists clenched, can you receive what God had for you? If he was to give you something, your fists are clenched. Can you at all possibly reach up and receive it? But what if we do this? Father, today, in this house, we stand before you symbolically with our fists clenched. Father, it just symbolizes the fact that we have held back somewhere, somehow in our life.
1: We hope this message encouraged you. Victory Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him... I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at VictoryLafayette.org.